1: This
0: is our Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your pod. It is the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. A shout out to our sponsor, the all-inclusive podcast with Jay Ruderman. Great show. Just great show. Does some great interviews anywhere you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. Find All Inclusive with Jay Ruderman. But I have to get to my guest because this is cool because I get to talk a little sports today and a lot of other stuff. With me on the line is the author of a book that is being released. As you hear this, listeners, it's probably today... The thirteenth, and her name is Susie Petroselli, former captain of the Harvard soccer team, and author of "Raise the Warrior: A Memoir of Soccer, Grit, and Leveling the Playing Field." She's here in the virtual studios with us. Thank you for joining us, Susie. How are you? I'm
1: so excited. Thank you. I'm good. I'm really good.
0: This is this is very cool because your book is a lot about a lot more than just soccer. But it but for background sake, everyone. She was, as the title suggests, raised a warrior by her dad. You had a twin sister, which I think is interesting. She didn't play sports or or did she?
1: Yeah, no, we went to Harvard together to play soccer. She came with me. Yeah, we played on the team together.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. Well, when when does her book come out?
1: Actually, that is a very good question. That was my last pitch to my publisher. I think the, the same story should be told from her perspective.
0: That would be cool and Wouldn't
1: that be cool and possibly confusing it would be but very yeah. different and very hard for her to be as brutally honest as I was in mine I think
0: Well you talk about in the book how you were you were very different even though you were identical yeah. twins that yeah. that she was the neat freak and you were the messy one and yeah. and I'm on I'm on uh, team Susie when it comes to that by the way if you, <laughs> if you could if you could see my apartment but the the book has a, a lot to do about uh, title 9 and equality for women athletes just Deals with a, a lot of heavy stuff as well as just kind of cool, exciting stuff. And I love the the book begins with the tale of you getting your first tattoo and having to break it to your dad, which I think is just <laughs> so cool. Let me, the first question I have for you is is pretty simple. What What's your first memory of your love of soccer? And when I say that, I mean... Youth soccer, like I'm talking about when yeah, you were going like, all thought, the way back. yeah, do you yeah. have a memory of maybe even your first goal or anything where you thought?
1: I do. Could... I have me. a bunch. I have. So like going back to the very beginning, we, we grew up in a very like American football family, right? My dad and my mm-hmm. grandfather both played at high school and college. You know, my house was full of these trophies, like bronzed football cleats, old leather football helmets and all these wonderful Lementos from my dad and my grandfather playing football
0: did they both play and, at Stan- i know your dad was a standout at stanford did you gra-
1: yeah and then my my grandfather played at loyola uh, high school in california and also at loyola university and then he ended up coaching there and coaching loyola high school to their first under undefeated season i mean the, the, the stories go you know on and on and on but you know so i just assumed that i would be part of it you know i i knew i could throw football i knew i was fast I knew I, you know, I knew that I could be good at sports. I knew I could be good at football from a very young age. And and I loved it. So I just assumed that I would be part of their culture and part of their world and that I could sort of have an opportunity to prove myself and earn some respect through through their favorite sport, right? Mm-hmm. And then of course that opportunity never came. So I was craving my own opportunity. I was craving the opportunity to play on a team and play sports. And so luckily for me, you know, three years before I was of age to try out for soccer, they started allowing girls to play on AYSO teams in my neighborhood. It was really close. Like, if I had been born five years earlier, I would not have had the same life, right? Mm-hmm. I would not have had the joy of soccer throughout my life. So anyway, one day, you know, after being, like, given the cold shoulder for the football tryouts and given the cold shoulder for the baseball tryouts, like, finally, I'm, I'm looking at them on the day of the soccer tryouts, and I'm like, please, 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 God – And they, they were all of a sudden smiling at me, you know, it was a completely different experience. They're smiling at me. They're putting a uniform on me. They're taking me to the, to the field. And they're like, basically like setting me loose, Mm. you know, out in the sunshine on the soccer field, here's the ball, go for the goal. And I I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, I just literally zoned in on the goal, took the ball, (laughs) like went straight for the goal, kicked it in. And I just like, that experience over and over and over at that young age, just every single time filled me with so much adrenaline and so much, joy. and that, you know, self-confidence, all these things that now I have names for. But then, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like all these amazing, beautiful feelings, you know, really was filling my life with like the, the best the best things you could possibly have in a little kid's life. Right. So
0: that you're playing um, with, you're playing with boys at this point.
1: We were, my first team was co The first team was co-ed. co-ed okay. Yeah. yeah. And we were the little rascals and my dad was the coach. And and then after that first year, we had enough girls in our town to have uh, girls teams. So nice. then we were like the, the strawberry shortcakes and the unicorns and the, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I loved it right from the beginning. I actually do have another early memory where, because after the end of the AYSO season, they pick an all-star team. And mm-hmm. so in the all-star game, I remember kick, there was, we actually had like a golden goal game mm-hmm. and I had the, and I kicked, you know, I scored the golden goal and I literally got picked up and carried off the field. What, and I'll the, never, I'll never forget it. All you know, right. I hold on. A,
0: hold on a minute there, Rudy. What, what was, what was a goal? What is a golden goal? I don't know what that is.
1: Oh, like when you, at the end of the game, if it's tied the next, it's like the next goal wins.
0: Okay. Sudden death. Right. Okay. Sudden death. And you, yeah, and, you death. and you and yeah. you scored the winning goal. You got
1: and I scored the winning goal. You and I get... got carried off the field at a young age. I mean, how do you top that? So of course, the <laughs> the, the rest of my life, I'm yeah. trying to recreate that moment, right? For that forever. I still am. Yeah. I'm still trying to get carried off the field again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a lot easier to carry you off when you're eight years old or whatever, and six, and, yeah. and you owe, you weigh like sixty two pounds or whatever. Yeah. I coached my son in soccer, and I don't know if he remembers, but I. Have an in, indelible memory of his first goal. He got uh, two goals in this game, I can remember. And this was back in the days where they were so little, they played with the little pup tent goals or whatever they yep, call them. Yep, yep. The they uh-huh. little pop up goals that are
1: like fold up goals. Yeah, yeah
0: they, they're kind of tiny. And there's no goalie. You play without goalies because the goalie would take up practically the whole net. <laughs> but it was towards the end of the first half, and he was around midfield and he just booted one. He let it fly. And as the proud dad I'm watching, please go in, please go in, please go in. Yeah. And it went in just before like the, the buzzer sounded at the end of the first half. And just, just it, it's cool how those, those things last for you. So,
1: oh, you know, they just, they, just yeah, they fill you, they fill your life with these golden moments that you'll never forget.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, for some reason, think of the baseball player Ken Griffey Jr. And how he, he got some criticism for wearing his hat backwards often And I remember someone writing at the time, this is a game. Sports are for kids. You know, if sports don't bring out the kid in you, then you're probably missing the point. But but your dad was, as I mentioned earlier, sounds like an intense guy. You write you write in the book about how he was demanding. Sometimes you he would even, you know, fight people if he if he needed to. like At a. youth youth. Oh, yeah. So so what was that like? Watch Uh,
1: out. Watch out referees and umpires. So, my dad was.
0: Yeah. So, so it yeah. w- was that it, it seemed like you have, you came to embody that, but was, was there, was it all positive or did, did you feel a lot of pressure from your dad?
1: I mean, well, first of all, I was terrified of him, right? You know, I mean, I, it was, he was, he was. Large, looming, dominant figure in our lives, but he—it wasn't like there was, wasn't a plethora of love. I mean, he said, "I love you all the time, every single night, every single day." So it was—it was an interesting mix. But at the same time, he—he he definitely raised us to understand that you, it was—you were never—it was no way to give enough to your team. There was no way to play hard enough. You were always striving to play harder. You were always stri- striving to be tougher. We never complained about a bruise. We never complained about it, you know, something being sore. We never complained about, you know, breaking a bone. You know, it was it was part of the game. It's what you did. We were tough. I mean, I remember him. We would be, this is my whole life. Let's say two or three times a year, we'd be sitting at a dinner table with another family. And, you know, there might be like a high school football player is uh, like sitting with us at the table. So my dad would literally get up from the table and it, like coach the kid on how to properly hit somebody with his shoulder, you right. know, like he, like he just, it's just was everything he was. He couldn't help it if he just lived and died for it. And yeah, he was self cookie. I mean, he would, he was the, co- he was the dad that would stand on the far side of the sideline and scream his head off. And, but only at me, it wasn't, you know, I would only at my sister and I it wasn't like he was the guy that was screaming at everybody on the field, but you know, it, it, I am a little bit mixed about that now as a parent because, you know, there was, it wasn't all positive coming from his mouth. It was, it was harsh at times. But, you know, I do have to give him credit. Both of us, my sister and I both ended up with the choice to play at either Stanford or Harvard. So, you know, there's something to be said for for that. You know, I, I do try to raise my own kids. With a little more positivity, and but you so know, wait when maybe, you said when
0: you said Stanford Harvard, are you suggesting you picked Harvard to maybe kind of get away a little bit? Or?
1: Yes, so that that story is in the book. I, I won't okay. give too much away, but what happened was so, so my parents met at Stanford. Mm-hmm. My dad was playing football, and uh, and so their dream was always to have one of their kids there's four of us someone go there and obviously that's a ridiculous dream i mean you know stanford's a reach it was a huge reach at that time right even in the 60s so and it's only gotten harder to get but it's it's good but it's
0: good to have harvard as a safety school
1: Yeah, (laughs) actually I, i joke a lot because i think i don't know how many people out there can say that they're father was disappointed that they went to harvard
0: (laughs) wow that's some irony he was
1: pissed yeah he (laughs) was angry he he didn't he didn't understand it he just didn't understand it but, no, uh,
0: that well, we were talking about how, no, I, actually what I, oh, I, what what I want to get yeah. into. Yeah, tough and all that, but, but I think natural segue to something you brought up, and that is you have three daughters, and you before we started recording, you told me they're all lacrosse players. and
1: one, Yeah, one daughter and
0: two boys. Oh, I'm sorry, one daughter and two boys. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, tell me. But all
1: lacrosse players, yeah.
0: Okay, and all lacrosse players. And did you coach them in anything during the course of their Okay. Tell me about that. Yeah,
1: they all started. They all started in soccer. And I, my daughter's my oldest. So I coached her up until she was about, let's see, third or fourth grade. And my sister-in-law also, we started actually a soccer coaching business called Kickstart Soccer Academy when the, when our kids were little. And so we, I coached her a lot. She gravitated towards lacrosse, I think, because she enjoyed it more when I wasn't coaching her. And so that was fine. That was her choice. Actually, it's it's an interesting part of the book, the dynamic between my daughter and I. You know, we butted, a, we butted heads a lot uh, when she was young. And I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure really how to find that bond and closeness with her and it ends up that it ended up that the story of my daughter a particular story about my daughter is the chapter that basically got the book published Mm -hmm. Um, because it was the story that the publisher the publisher in England read and resonated with him enough so that he reached out to me when he started the book prize in honor of his wife who passed away from breast cancer. And he remembered that chapter that was about my relationship with my daughter in sports. And, and so he reached out to me to, to, uh, write a proposal for the award and which is how I won the award. And then the book got published and now it's being republished here in the U.S. So I really do have that, that relationship with my daughter. Whole thing. Give us a
0: hint. I don't want you to give away the story because I want people to buy the book raised a warrior by Susie Petroselli. available. I take it on Amazon, whenever wherever you find Find books?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's okay. on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles. It's at Target. And it's in bookshop.org.
0: Are you going to narrate the audiobook or no?
1: I think so. I don't know. We thought about it last year. My friend, Kelly Nascimento, who I'm making the documentary with, and that's the story of us making the documentary is part of the last third of the book. Cool. She offered to read it for me as well. She has a beautiful reading voice, a radio voice. So we're, we're kind of going back and forth on who's going to do the audio book.
0: I, unless you sound like Gilbert Gottfried, which you don't, I really think, <laughs> I really think authors should do their own audio, but that's my opinion because there there are going to be little inflections and, and, and things that you put in that, cause it's, they're your words. But so the, what I was, well, let's see, where were we? We're in a bunch of parentheses here, Susie. It's, it's,
1: it's, it's, that's okay. I
0: did want to get to the documentary. So the, Tell us the the name of your documentary which all of a sudden I can't find.
1: The name so the documentary is called Warriors of a Beautiful Game. It's it came from Kelly Nascimento de Luca who is Pele's oldest daughter. Oh. And she realized about 10 years ago that the trajectory for female football players in Brazil was obviously very drastically different from that of her father. And so she started investigating and she started to try to figure out where are the women's soccer players in Brazil? And, um, you know, what is going on with Marta, who is, you know, had been the six-time Ballon d'Or winner, World Player of the Year uh, winner from Brazil. And, you know, where was she was she making enough money to, to, you know, support herself as a professional footballer, have, being the six-time best player in the world? So, so she started making the documentary. It started with a focus on Brazilian women. And then we happened to meet through a mutual friend at the time when I was about halfway done with the book. And, and the book, for me, started as a story about my Harvard soccer team, how much fun we'd had. We were very Bad News bears Animal House. <laughs> and it was just a cool sports story with a really good... Sports and a lot of cool characters, right? And then, but, I, but the book had evolved as I had been growing up and had changed into more of a, like sort of a reflection on how did I get to Harvard? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? And what happened to me there? And now sort of where the sport, where, where women need to go and where we need to focus our efforts in order to keep the movement going, to keep, and keep growing opportunities for girls in sports, growing respect for girls in sports, moving the needle on the 4% uh, marker that we're at of women in sports media. And so we met at that point when I was sort of working on the book and she was working on the film and we joined forces. She hired me to help produce the movie. We traveled for a year and a half to make the, to to film the the documentary. And now it's in editing, which is super exciting. Last year, obviously was, was hard. Um, Everything slowed down, but Mm. we're back now and everything's full steam ahead now. So we should have a rough cut by the end of the year which is really exciting
0: and has it been sold in other words do you know where it will air or not yet
1: we don't know where it will yeah. air yet but we have a lot of good options and we're, we're really excited about where it's going to end up
0: so cool so cool another thing to look forward to so let me ask you time does not permit us to get into all the things you cover in your book but <laughs> but but you, you well, it
1: t- is a 25 year time span so mm-hmm.
0: Okay, you should have you, you should have done half and then left the, the leave them wanting like for a the sequel. sequel. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you'll come up with a topic for the sequel, but <laughs> but but in a, in a nutshell, are you I don't want to say satisfied, but the progress that women have made in sports universally over the last I don't know, during our life you're younger than I, but rough roughly <laughs> roughly, you know, the last, you know, Not whatever much, 30 years. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So Tell me about the the state of that and maybe some of the issues you get into and where we still need, we still have work to do.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I came at it very naive and to be honest, pretty ignorant about the difference between women's sports history and men's sports history. I, my whole life, I thought women's history and men's history were just history. It took me a very long time to realize that they're very different. And one of the moments that I remember when it hit me was I was walking in one of the athletic uh, department buildings at Harvard, and they have these walls where they have black and white photos of every team. So every soccer team, starting from the very beginning, they have the team picture on the wall. And I just noticed that, you know, the men's soccer team, their pictures went around one wall, around the corner, and around another wall, right? And the ones at the very, very beginning, you know, they look like they're in as they were really far back in history, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they're wearing knickers and they're wearing these cool old school striped jerseys. They're wearing hats, you know, and, and then, you know, I realized like, wait, is this? Been, so then it goes, our, so our team at that point had only gone back about 12 or 14 years. Mm-hmm. So there were only 12 or 14 pictures of our team on right. the wall. I mean, it was just so drastically striking, the visual. And I think that's when I realized how different the two histories are. But I'm still very naive about it. And Kelly still tells me, she's like, why are you still shocked about all these statistics? So I'll give you just a couple of statistics that I think are really important. One is, I mentioned before, women get female, well, women's sports gets 4% of all sports media in the United States. And you have to remember, some of that is negative, right? Mm -hmm. So the percentage of positive media about women's sports in this country is very small. Mm-hmm. And you know, you hear that number and you think, you know, actually it makes sense. We're still never really in sports papers. We're still never really in radio. We're still we don't have our own sports channel. Men have what, a hundred sports channels on TV and this you know sports yeah. radio and we're one just we're just that. still invisible we're not there yet you know mm-hmm. and it's kind of striking we're never like if you walk into a sports bar and you look up at this TVs there's there's very very rarely if ever a women's sports match on one of those 12 or 14 TVs that they have in a sports bar, right? So we're just we're just very invisible still. The other thing that I just heard this is a statistic that came out from this amazing amazing group called the Equality League just a couple weeks ago because June 23rd was the 49th anniversary of title nine this uh, just a couple weeks ago and they put out a report and one of the couple of the striking things they found was women still girls still get a billion dollars less in sports scholarships in this country so that's a that's just has to change right they, we have 200,000 fewer spots on college sports teams we get 160 million dollars less so title, in, recruiting, nine, in recruiting money
0: title nine doesn't or, look, doesn't cover that or does it Scholarship money
1: title nine does cover scholarship money. Yeah. So we, you know, it is, it is eventually, cause it's part of the athletic de- department budget. So title nine has gone come a long way. The, the spots are, you know, we obviously, I mean, there's been an explosion in women's soccer in this mm-hmm. country, right. It revolutionized the youth sports culture in the United States. But from here, we still have so far to go so far to go. Mm-hmm. You Absol- know, think about how many, like, even like women, even coaches, Right mm-hmm. Before Title IX was passed, most women's sports teams were coached by women. When Title IX was passed and, and they started investing more in those coaching positions, a lot of those coaching positions got taken over by men. So there were, that was sort of an unfortunate side effect of Title IX. And so we're working to rectify that now. And we're, and we're putting more emphasis on the fact we need to put women in leadership positions of all kinds, you know, whether it be coaching, coaching, coaches, you know, administrators, athletic departments, just decision make decision-making roles in media, right? Newspaper editors. So yeah, we, we definitely still have a long way to go. There's
0: no doubt. And and there's, there's your book, I'm sure goes a long way in reminding people of that. It, it, it's it is cool to see the progress. I mean, if if you turn on an ESPN panel discussion now, most of the time it's going to be at least fifty percent women. Not all the time, but the, the you, you know. I'm glad
1: you think that. I don't I don't see that yet, but I'm glad. I'm well, glad okay, maybe I'm it's glad. You, I'm glad that's how you perceive it because that's that's a huge improvement.
0: Well, it's possible it's just the shows I watch. I don't know, but but it's still I admit it's still a novelty to hear like a woman broadcaster what's her name? Mendoza, Jessica Mendoza. Is that her name? I don't know. Yes, on, on ESPN. Yes. Uh-huh. And she does a nice well, job when she started, yes. when she started like sports radio voices in Boston were criticizing her for being terrible. And if you could read the, between the lines, they were saying, Oh, she's just got it because she's a woman. And the fact of the matter is maybe she wasn't great, but she was good. She, she, she belonged at the table, you know? And so. Right.
1: But well, and also 30 years, if, if a guy had a 30 year career, the first 2 or 3 years of his career he probably wasn't great either.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Right. Uh, absolutely. And but so I'm,
1: And I'm not saying that Jessica Mendoza wasn't great when she started cuz I I, yeah. I don't know that much about baseball, so I don't I wouldn't be able to say that, but she is amazing and she's brilliant. She's an awesome Stanford grad. I love her.
0: Let me let me ask you one uh, a little bit off the beaten path question here and it has to do with trans athletes. So I don't know if if you noticed earlier this year There was a a lawsuit involving trans athletes and there was a a high school athlete named Chelsea Mitchell in Connecticut famously now wrote an article called I was the fastest girl in Connecticut, but transgender athletes made it an unfair fight. I don't know whether you have a thought on this or not, but you're I think you're a good person to ask because it's for some female activists who are kind of on, on your side of this argument it's kind of a frustrating moment because, because like a female athlete works to get this far. And then at least according to, to this lawsuit and these women, they, they actually have to take a step behind trans athletes. Is, have you been following this? Is this uh, do you have a thought on that or no?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my thought on this is that we, there needs to be more research about it. And I think everyone agrees on that. I think mm-hmm. that we don't know enough about it. We don't know. My, my feeling is all of the, all of like the hesitancy, to allow them to compete is is only gonna hold us back from getting to the point where they're competing on an equal playing field. It's all it's all about finding a way to to get a level playing field for everybody, right? And like all of the negativity and all of the, you know, sort of toxic like pushback online and, and things like that, I I think are just holding us up from the constructive research that needs to be going on in order to figure out a way to properly integrate everybody. Because, you know, I mean, you know, I, in my opinion, gender is non-binary. Gender is a spectrum. So, you know, this is something that we're going to be moving towards. And the faster we look at it like that and the faster we figure out a way to, to do it properly, um and fairly, the the faster we'll get there. So that's my that's my feeling on it. I you know I personally identify as uh, non-binary, so I'm sympathetic to to the trans athletes, and not not just sympathetic, but I want you know I definitely feel like they need to pre- be protected and and respected, obviously. And you know the, it's if you know these these are kids they're vulnerable kids they're in a dangerous situation they're just trying to be authentic to who they are they're not trying to steal a prize away from anybody right. else or, I mean, or if they know, are
0: that that is that is the that is i imagine certainly the exception to the rule the, the very rare exception to, to the rule in other words you know I, i've heard enough and i was skeptical at first too on kids that transitioned sometimes before even the age of 10 and the the my sort of gut reaction at the time was, well, what are the parents thinking to do that? And then I heard the actual stories. I interviewed a couple of people on this podcast. It's not something you do hastily, and precipitously, it, no. and, and say just for the heck of it. Or maybe I could do right. better as a as a as a female no, athlete. They're
1: just trying to do what's best for their kids. Yeah,
0: and bec- you know. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, yeah. It, yeah and, I have some friends too. Yeah, and they can they can live absolutely tortured lives. And so I I I sort of understand the point that the the lawsuit made, but at the same time, if these poor kids who are brave enough to transition and they're just trying to fit in and then to tell them, Oh, by the way, you can't play sports. <laughs> I mean, that, right, we, So, right. I, but I'm with you. It is complicated. I think we need to keep looking at that. So I, I do yeah, not, you
1: know, there's all kinds of cool research going on. There's all this, you know, there's this research about bio banding and, you know, trying to match athletes competitively against, you know, where they fit in biologically and, and, so, you know, I, I think that we you know, we're we're slowing down the process of getting to the end to to the right place for this mm-hmm. with all the negativity.
0: Can you spend a few more minutes with us, Susie? Yeah. Yes, okay, because um, of this Susie's completely unprepared for this, but I've assembled a yeah. a, a short a short list of well, at, at the end of the show, we're going to play a round of good stuff, as we always do. Susie and I are both going to recommend something good. That'll be quick at the end. Before we get there, I want to play a round of Wicked Smart, which is our quiz game. I've assembled some <laughs> quo- some quotes, Susie, from, but you'll appreciate, from female athletes. You're going to have to guess who they are. And so she's not sweating. She looks confident. So let's play. Hold on. Smart. My boy's Wicked smart.
1: smart!
0: Yes, the Wicked Smart game. So... I have a few quotes here, and don't worry, it's multiple choice, so you won't won't, uh, flail too badly. Take a listen to this quote. Champions keep playing until they get it right. So, Susie, who said that? Was it Billie Jean King? Was it Venus Williams? Or was it Steffi Graf? And I'll repeat it. Champions keep playing until they get it right. By the way, didn't Billie Jean King... Right, uh, isn't she one of your tes- yes, testi- testimonials on the book? Blurbs. All right. Yeah,
1: she gave me two blurbs. The original book that came out in England, I had one on the cover and one on the inside. She's she's my absolute absolute goddess. I love her. But I that's a tough one. I haven't actually pinned downstairs on my on my pin board, so it's going to kill me if I get it wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Billy.
0: Absolutely right. Well done. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you had to guess Billy because. If you didn't guess Billy, and it was Billy, yes, that's Billy Jean. And I love
1: the other two. I mean, Venus and Steffi were, you know, obviously, you know, they're obviously icons and feminists and and goddesses as well.
0: Well, we got more. Here's a quote. (laughs) A a trophy carries dust. Memories last forever. So who said that? Was it Annika Sorenstam? Was it Mary Lou Retton? Or was it Cheryl Miller? A trophy carries dust. Memories last forever.
1: Wow, I'm
0: gonna go with Annika. Uh, no, we were looking for Mary Lou on that one. So, oh,
1: that's so funny because I was thinking she probably has more medals than trophies.
0: I know, that's kind of right. Yeah, I, I was, I was sly in that question. I guess. I yeah, love I don't, Mary Lou. But, but she's got some memories for sure. All right, here's another one. Whoever, whoever said it's not whether you win or lost that counts, probably lost. Who said that? Was it Carrie Strug? Was it Martina Navratilova or was it Pat Summit? Whoever said it's not whether you win or lost that counts probably lost.
1: Who are the choices? Who I know Carrie, one was Martina. I'm leaning towards Martina right off the bat, but
0: I'm going to give you credit right now because that's correct. <laughs>
1: yes,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, she was tough. Yeah, she's she was tough. a fierce tough.
1: competitor, we got to meet her. She's in our film. She's oh really? Oh fantastic! Yeah. All
0: yeah. right, all right. We'll give you. Uh, we'll give you two more. To have any doubt in your body is the biggest weakness an athlete can have. Who said that? Was it Sean Johnson? Was it Bonnie Blair? Or was it Katie Ledecky?
1: Johnson. That's right. Wow. How did you know
0: that? Sean <laughs> <Shawn> Johnson <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I
1: figured it. All right. You're doing like
0: spectacularly well so far, Susie. We'll, we'll give you the last one. It might be a soccer quote. It might not. When we as a nation put our minds to something, when we truly choose to care about something, change always happens. Who said that? Was it Megan Rapineau? Was it Allie Raceman? Or was it Gabby Douglas?
1: Megan Rapinoe. Yes! Wow. <laughs> I've heard that one before.
0: Oh, you have. All right.
1: Yeah. So
0: right up your alley.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: Well oh okay, stop applauding everyone. Well oh, done. Keep applauding. Well, okay, fine. You, but- yeah. <laughs> All right, um, we are going to play before I we. I dep- need
1: that. I'm going to. I'm going to put that at my as my morning alarm to myself wake up with them.
0: yes get up yeah we i should i should have that they should market those on keychains and you should just be able to walk, walk around and, and yes. hit the button and have people applaud for you i mean it it, it never gets old really so we are going to play a quick round of good stuff before we depart but before we get there i just want to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast you want to be the next big podcast star it's a great way to connect with your audience You can do it remotely from your own home these days, or you can come to our studio in Westwood, Mass. We take care of the whole shebang for you. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. Hi, I'm Jay Ruderman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. All right, let's play a quick round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. stuff baby. <laughs> All right. Susie did have about 12 minutes to prepare for this segment. So, but tell us <laughs> do, do, you have, do you have something to share with our listeners that might uh, brighten their day?
1: The award that I won in England last year. Called the Vicky Orvis Prize, mm-hmm. and it was named after the wife of uh, my publisher. Her name was Vicky Orvis, and she was one of the founders. Actually, she was a she was a trailblazer in sports journalism in England. So she was basically their version of of, you know, the stories we have here where you have the, the women who were the first ones in the, the locker rooms, right? Like fighting for access to athletes. So she was the, the English version of that. And, yeah. and she was also one of the founders of an organization there called Women in Football. And she, so her husband put a book prize together in her honor after she passed from breast cancer a couple mm-hmm. years ago, which is the prize that I won. So at, on in addition to the to the prize that he put together that i won his next his next project is, is out was announced today mm. and it's an anthology of, of women's sports writing a women's soccer writing oh. and it's it's awesome i was lucky enough to get to read all the submissions oh, and cool. it is going to be awesome yeah and it's called football she wrote which i think is really great and so you can find it it's going to be actually i think it's in pre-order starting today at floodlitdreamspublishing.com so and and you know it's he's just a wonderful wonderful gentleman he fully supports women in all kinds of sports media and in sport. And, you know, it's all about, I don't know if you know who Kelsey Trainer is, but she's a really good friend of ours. And she's a really amazing advocate for women in sports. And she has this campaign, you know, invest in women, pay women, hire women. And that's what he's doing. And he's really putting his money where his mouth is and, you know, putting out books and hiring women to write about sports. So I would love to help him promote this, his next, this awesome project.
0: So football, she wrote, and so and when we say football, that's the that's the uh, European soccer, use of the, yeah. Soccer, <laughs> excellent recommendation. Yeah. We will check that out. Please do, everybody. I'm going to recommend a movie that is not a new movie, but I was inspired by Susie's appearance on the show today, and so if you haven't, have you seen the 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 movie Battle of the Sexes? Oh, yeah. You have. What's, oh, my god. And Emma Stone depicting who yes. you already mentioned is one of your heroes, Billie Jean King. This is a movie that I, I think a lot of people might have missed the first time around. Now you can get it on Apple TV, I think, for, you know, four bucks or something. And Steve Carell plays Bobby Riggs in the infamous Battle of the Sexes tennis match he he did with Billie Jean King. Let's uh, take a brief listen to the trailer for Battle of the Sexes. Hello, Eureka! Billie Jean, it's Bobby Riggs. I had a great idea: male chauvinist pig versus hairy leg feminist. You're still a feminist, right?
1: I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. do hang up. Uh, by the way, I shave my legs.
0: Billie Jean King, already a okay. champion of women's rights, is now the most successful female player of all time. I am not saying that women don't belong on the court. Who would pick up the balls
1: otherwise? Oh, my God. There isn't a single thing I don't hate about Bobby Riggs. You
0: know what I'm doing? I'm cooking! I'm cooking! I won the triple of Wimbledon. I could beat Billie Jean King. Does she have the nerve? Call Bobby. Tell on.
1: So, Billie Jean, what do you want? Don't
0: get me wrong. I love women in the bedroom and in the kitchen.
1: You talking, Bobby? More nonsense you spell, the worse it's gonna be when you lose.
0: And of course, he does lose. Now, are are you? I, I mentioned you are at least slightly younger than I. But are, do you remember that when it, when that match occurred, or have any memory of it? Not really.
1: No, I don't. Was... I don't remember it happening. My earliest memories of, of were just hearing about it, and I remember. I remember understanding that it was something that I needed to respect and that it was one of the reasons why we love Billie Jean King, but it took me and I understood that, but it took a while for me to really understand the whole story and the ins and outs of what happened and the intricacies of the history of what was going on at that time and where we were in the women's movement at that time and why it was, why was this silly game, right? Why was this sort of, big like you know marketing event why was it so important and uh, yeah they really did such a beautiful job in that movie I, I really I it's one of the things I you know it's one of the reasons that I think I tried to make my book like a story about a girl you know she says I'm a, I'm a tennis player who happens to be a, a girl right. I tried I tried very hard to make my book it's a story about a girl who just happens to play soccer. Okay. So it's the same. It's the same kind of idea. It's really a human story, but you know, it happens to have a sports element in it. Yeah.
0: Well, the the yeah. the depiction of this in a film was, I think, long overdue. And looking back on it, it seems even more sort of poignant and meaningful today. We're still talking about these things, but a, but a match between a man and and a woman where the the guy is this carnival barking clown who <laughs> used to, used to be a, a, a really good tennis player and now aging Bobby Riggs, but he was like the ultimate huckster. And the mystery still looms as to whether he actually threw the the match because he was up to his eyes in gambling debts, apparently. But that's a side story. But Billie Jean King handled it with such something that could have turned into. I mean, it was kind of a circus, but she handled it with such class, and and then she whipped his butt. She and, tried
1: to avoid it, right? I mean, yeah. she turned it down, right. and then Margaret Court lost to him, and so she felt like, oh God, God. now you know
0: that's right. Yeah.
1: I have to, I have, I have to, do, you know, I have to do this. Yeah, I have to. I have to step up. I have to do this. I have to correct this. I have to correct history. And so she did. Yeah, and she, you know, she felt the pressure. It wasn't like, it wasn't like she thought. You know, she she needed to win.
0: So if um Alexi Lalas all of a sudden turned into a male chauvinist and challenged you uh, to a shootout, would you would you take it? No, that's that's
1: <laughs> I, of, of course I would. I actually it was a, a couple years ago. I don't remember exactly when, but a couple years ago, I thought it might happen between McEnroe and Venus. I kind of him, thought there you? was some. <laughs> He would, well, I'm sure he would, but it would be a similar story, right? Yeah. Where he would say, yeah. I can never, actually, he might've even said something of never losing, you know, never, uh, even, you know, the best player in the world can beat me now. So yeah, I thought that might happen. I thought they might do kind of a, what,
0: what delicious theater that would have been to right? see the first time McEnroe gets frustrated. Oh my God. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, you know, it is, it could be the similar, very entertaining story.
0: Yes, Absolutely. Well, uh, we could go on for hours because we had such fun with Susie. But Susie, uh, so we make sure you get the book, everybody. By the way, it's as you listen to this uh, podcast, it is available. Raised a Warrior: A Memoir of Soccer, Grit, and Leveling the Playing Field. Susie Petroselli. Any other info to give out? Do you want to give uh, out your Twitter handle or anything like that?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I would love um, for everybody to reach out to me. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Susie, S-O-O-O-Z-I-E, Susie on Twitter. So yeah, reach out. I love to hear what people think about the book. You know, it's funny. I've not heard two people like connect with it with the same line in the book, which Mm -hmm. is really fun. So it's really fun to get feedback from people.
0: Well, I was lucky enough to get a free copy, which I've already started, but I promise you I will finish it. But the rest of you, come on, support the cause. Pay for the book. Please. Please. Yes. Come on. Con- and congratulations on it, Susie. I think it's, it's quite a triumph. And thanks, Thank for, thanks for being such a good sport on the show. I hope you had fun.
1: It was amazing. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I'm actually thinking maybe I'll take you up on your on your podcast
0: idea. Well, you heard it here first <laughs> raised a warrior, the podcast coming soon. Possibly we'll, t- we'll talk. I'll have my people contact you. Susie. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Boston podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, all inclusive, the podcast uh, with Jay Ruderman. Check that out. If you want your own podcast, go to pod six, one, seven. Dot com. And on behalf of Susie, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody
1: greater to the sea far, I am far and metamorphosis